0: Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. I'm one of your hosts, joined by uh, Dr. Scott Nelson at the news desk. What's up, man? How are Close. you? I'm well. How are you? You know, I'm doing all right. I've
1: kind of had some like sinusy, like yes, upper respiratory garbage at the beginning of the week, but it uh, seems to have passed me by for the most part. Well, lucky you. Yes.
0: I, as you can, as listeners can tell, still dealing with it. Got some medication just a few hours ago. I'm on the mend. Uh, we are also joined in Upper Room Studios by Crystal Yosef. Hello, Crystal.
2: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for being with us. Today. We are super excited that you're here. Crystal Thank you. um, is a PR wizard guru. I like it. What's uh, what's a female wizard? A witch? I don't, like I don't think you can <laughs> say that, that. right? No. Yeah. Isn't uh, that a sorceress? I was going to say sorceress.
2: I like. Yeah, I'm down with sorceress. Right.
0: Yeah. Genius um, guru, one of these things, um, and so. You had a bit of a taste of politics this last session. Yes. It was, like many of us, mm-hmm. just kind of starting to get involved. And um, you and I used to work together doing public relations several years ago. Is there anything you haven't done? I don't do windows.
2: <laughs> Are you used to saying that? Somebody's asked you that before. Yeah. What yeah. do you
0: do? There's a few things. I'm not a doctor. Wow. That, I don't really know what to say about that. I play one on TV. No. <laughs> um, so, Crystal, thanks for joining us. We're of excited course. for you to... Hopefully, this won't be a one-time thing. Yeah, we're trying to, and we've kind of alluded to this last year that Scott and I are. Um, we want to bring you more voices than just uh, just the two of us, and so we are hoping to kind of have a pool of co-contributors, co-guests, co-co-hosts. I guess is the word I'm looking for. Voices. Voices. Additional voices. Additional voices. More people. More people. More perspectives. Yes. Better show. That's right, exactly. So the whole year. So we are, Crystal is the first one of those. We're very excited. Yes. Uh, we're I am
2: too. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, no, we're glad you're here. All right.
0: Well, shall we uh, do announcements first? I see Scott we, made the script. Do we the, have any
1: announcements? I have three announcements, yes, thank I knew, you. I knew you. I had would. them
0: scheduled later in the show. Um, do I, I don't have a thing for announcements, do I? Anyway. Um, do you have your trumpet like your... Ba-ba-da? Oh, yeah. Well, that's somewhere in here. Sure, will go with that one. Um, announcements. Uh, the, As a reminder, the session begins, the Oklahoma legislative session begins, and the Governor Stitt's first State of the State address will be on February 4th. That's a Monday. I just got a migraine.
2: <laughs> Directly related? That's <or> no? <laughs> right, yeah.
0: Um, I saw uh, Nicole McAfee on Twitter that she had gone to the store to buy a bunch of like Tums and... and medications of the sort and the lady said uh, or the I assume it was a woman that was the checker outer and she said oh rough night or something she's like no just preparing for the legislative session um, so yes February 4th um, the speech usually is around noon it is open to the public if you would like to come I plan to be there are you able to come Scott I don't think I'm going to be able to make it this year alright well I'll be there without you I'll be there i saved
2: my Monday alright to do some capital things that day Ooh,
0: that's very exciting yeah. I'm I'm planning to be there, I think, all afternoon. So that should be uh, exciting. Also in February, two more things. February 10th, which is a Sunday, is our first West Wing watch party of 2019. I think we announced this last week. We'll be watching 20 Hours in America, parts one and two, double oh, doubleheader.
1: One of the great two-hour sets in um, television history. But
0: yes, indeed. So uh, tickets are free, but... <clears throat> They are required, so please go to our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash let's fix this okay. It's on our website, or just go to the Tower Theater website and you can look on their calendar and see it there.
2: Can I make a confession?
0: Yes. You don't watch the West Wing. I've never watched it. Well now's your I chance. Know, I know.
2: It's embarrassing.
1: No, you're not alone. I was so I was just about to ask if you're a West Wing fan. Um, but here's here's the great news. Okay. Between now and February tenth, I don't know what you have going on, but you have more than enough time. Ooh. Okay. To watch the uh, what two seasons that lead up to twenty hours oh, in America? I is it just two? I thought it was four. I can't remember. I think you're.
0: I think you're right. Actually, I
2: can I th- commit to starting it, uh, and we'll see how far I get. How about that? Yeah. I, so the
0: pilot won okay. Okay, two things. The pilot won an Emmy, which never happens. The Office sucked the mm-hmm. first one, but uh, this is good. Um, so, so know that the first episode is very good. The first three are good. However, I will say it doesn't really take off until the end of season 1. You got to get past Mandy.
1: I think yeah, that's <laughs> she wears that's, me out. That's very that's very true. I would also say for for you Crystal and for anyone else who is uh, joining us and has not indulged in the West Wing yet, I cannot strongly enough recommend that as you watch the show for the first or 101st time <laughs> to follow along uh, and listen to the West Wing weekly West Wing weekly podcast with Joshua Molina and Rishi Keshiway. Um, because it is phenomenal it's and provides day. it provides a ton of just insight and context um from a variety of perspectives about the show like how they made it um how the issues that they're discussing and you know the issues that are focused on a particular ep- ep- in a particular episode of the show like are still relevant today it's just it's a if you're into that kind of thing, yeah, no, yeah. definitely, it's a, it's a fantastic companion. So it is.
2: I, I lived in D.C. for eight years. Oh, that's right. Didn't nice. didn't touch politics. I mean, the whole time I was doing sales and marketing and PR stuff, and then moved back home and worked on my first campaign last well, the last two years. And yeah. so, I feel. I mean, there's definitely something to like working local politics. I'm sure. much more like down with that. So I didn't touch anything back in the day, and nice. now here I am dabbling one little toe. And, this is what happens. Yeah.
1: I mean, I don't think you I think you did more than dabble last last uh last year. It
2: was it was a thing. <laughs> it was a whole thing. I enjoyed it though. Like I it was a very unique situation, but I definitely enjoyed it. I worked on 794.
1: Which for everyone who's listening, 794 was Marcy's Law, yep. right? Mhm. Uh, you did well because it passed with 78% yes. and it was as I recall the only of the state questions yes. to pass.
2: So That's
0: true. A tip of the cap to you,
2: thank you, Madam.
1: Uh, well done.
2: Thank you very much.
0: All right. It is, just to follow up, it's the season premiere of season four. Oh, okay. So the first three seasons, we get you there, which is really the best three seasons.
1: I mean, that's true. How
2: All right. many seasons? There seven. are
0: seven. Ooh, okay. But the first three and a half of the only ones that matter. Okay.
1: So, okay. So some people, <laughs> like my friend Andrew here, will say that seasons five, six, and seven are trash. That is not true. They, I think, are acceptable additions to the West Wing canon. Mm-hmm. However, it is correct to say I, I, I would submit that seasons one, two, three, and four are definitely the where it's at. Okay,
0: yeah, I'm in. Excellent. Well, and we're gonna do that. Was your second announcement? No, no, it wasn't. But <laughs> it's close. But I will say that we are gonna do four West Wing watch parties this year. They're gonna be in. Uh, February, May, uh-huh. August, and November. We will announce the other three on the tenth. During the first one. The tenth. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead and put it in your calendar I right am. now. I see you. Mm-hmm. Uh, our third announcement is that our first Capitol Day of the year will be on February twenty-first. So if you, um, if you're a Capitol regular, or if you've never been before, and somehow you've been listening to our podcast thinking those guys sound like interesting, or they know what's going on, I would love to go to the Capitol. This is your chance. We will do, as always, we will do a capital day each month of the session, February, March, April, and May. The first one is February 21st. We will be meeting in room 252. That's on the second floor on the uh, west side, um, the house side of the building, I believe. Uh, So go to our Facebook page, our website. Details are on there. We're going to be joined by uh, House Majority Leader or Floor Leader uh, John Eccles, And uh, Senator Julia Kurt, who is my newly elected senator. She took uh, David Holt's position, that seat in Senate District 30. So bipartisan and bicameral, also by gender, one of each for what that's worth. Um, So they're going to speak to the group for a little bit. We'll provide some instructions and help you navigate the building however you need. So we're very excited. More information about that coming soon. Scott, you want to do the news? Let's do it.
1: Dive right in. So we have a very uh, short and sweet news roundup for you this week. Uh, Only three articles, but I can tell you that all three of them are worth your time. So first up, we have from our friends over at the Journal Record, a piece by Catherine Sweeney. Uh, executive orders target lobbyists, planes, hiring freeze, and cabinet. So, uh, yesterday, Governor Stitt issued his first four executive orders. Reasonable, um, yeah. Uh, uh, Solid start. A, hanging fruit. Had a had a press conference to talk about those. So, um, we'll kind of go in order, not of significance, but just the order in which they are uh, discussed here in Catherine's article. So, um, first he he lifted partially at least the hiring freeze that's been in place uh, in state government for several years now. So there's two kinds of state employees, what are called classified employees and unclassified employees. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of differences that go into those, but you could kind of break it down to say unclassified employees are essentially like at will and classified employees are employees that have some statutory protections and they can't be terminated easily along with some right. other things. It's
0: not like classified as in like FBI documents. Right, right. Which I, I never fully understood until just this week and I learned about this.
1: Yeah, so the governor uh, lifted the hiring freeze on unclassified employees.
0: Which is most positions. We, yes,
1: uh, but did not lift a hiring freeze for classified employees. And so the thought is that this is trying to move away from the classification right. system um, and essentially make it easier both to hire but also fire Uh, state employees should that become necessary right
0: it's a i think it's a double-edged sword i don't know yeah but you guys i saw that the oklahoma public employees association um they said they had some concerns about it which i think sure makes sense
1: um
0: there's and there actually is a bipartisan effort
1: um to amend what's called the merit protection system so the merit protection system is what gives these classified employees their protections uh senator Kay floyd who's a democrat from here in oklahoma city she's got a bill senate bill 913 that is designed to overhaul the system and she's had some support from mike osborne who's a republican from edmund um not i don't for that bill like i don't know that he's like a co-author hmm. on the bill but know. he has like voiced some support for overhauling that so that was the first executive order uh the second one is he is making it essentially mandatory for state agencies to have to file disclosures of all their spending on third party lobbyists those lobbyists drat them bad bad people lobbyists you know that's not true i know that's that's why i'm saying it with my my voice dripping with sarcasm uh, um he it's, like it's a thin line he, the governor said and this is a quote it's frightening to think of one of our state agencies hired third party lobbyists i frankly can think of a lot of other things in state government that frighten me more than the idea that agencies hire lobbyists but um they're now required to disclose third-party lobbyists this does not apply to uh, legislative liaisons which are state employees that in some agencies at least kind of function as lobbyists to the legislature on behalf of certain certain agencies so that was the second one um he is also and this is still a little like bizarre to me that this is how oklahoma government works but every governor has a different like cabinet and not just different people but like different
0: structure like oh, yeah they, they can choose positions yeah it's so, that way with the president too i mean you have like the basic ones but you can you can you can have up to 15 or 17 right. or something and so
1: right but times, he just like times
0: change scott but
1: he just like created a new position and then just like got rid of another one like he right. just decided he's not going to have a cabinet secretary of education, um, because he wants to work more closely with we have a superintendent. Uh, right, makes a lot with, of sense. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't
0: realize we had. Like, what is that? I didn't understand that we even had one, and what they would do.
1: I'm not criticizing the fact that he got rid of it. I'm just saying, I was like, that seems a little weird to me that he can just be like, no, I don't want one of those. I feel like if you're going to run the state. You, can, you get to pick Make who's those on your decisions, team. Yeah. Right. Didn't pick you. Didn't uh, picture you as an autocrat. I don't.
0: I'm not saying I want an autocrat. I just, <laughs> I just, I just want absolute sense. power. That's all. If I'm if I'm running an organization, business, nonprofit, government, I would like to pick who is in charge of the departments. I think that's probably fair.
1: I think it's fair. Um, he's also instead of hiring a secretary of health and human services, he's going to hire a secretary of health and mental health, and another secretary of human services and early childhood initiatives. And I honestly, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think you can make a very strong case that early childhood initiatives could be folded into health and mental health, um, but that's just—I mean, it's early childhood could almost be its own its own thing because it's so big and it's so important. He is also going to get rid of the secretary that Governor Fallon had created for finance administration and information technology, because he said that is just way too much for one person. So that's going to be three separate positions. That's fair. Uh, secretary of agency, accountability, budget, and then a secretary of digital transformation and administration. And then finally, and I, this is the one that like, this is the one that to me, I think is, I think is stupid, but whatever. Um, so OHP, the Oklahoma highway patrol has an air flight service for the governor. And that includes a plane. And Stit says, by God, that's a, Waste of taxpayer money. We need to sell that plane. Uh, so the governor should use the helicopter for emergencies, such as visits to sites for tornado damage, mm-hmm. and otherwise rely on donated flights from private organizations. Yeah,
0: so here's my hot take, and Chris, I'd yeah. love to hear from you. I, I think that uh, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we probably don't need to the expense and maintenance. I didn't realize, but Stitt is a pilot. Did you know this? Yeah, he's actually a, a certified, whatever, licensed pilot himself, I guess. Okay. And so... Um, if you're not flying like a certain number of hours a year, it doesn't make sense to use it. And I feel like I, I would wager over the course of a year cause it's a little plane. It's not like a jumbo jet. Mm-hmm. And so it's only for like little puddle jumper flights around the state. If you're just going to eat it or something like you can drive, it's not saving that much time. Um, and if you're going farther than that, you're taking commercial airfare anyway. And so it's, it's low hanging fruit. It's not a lot of money that's saving, but it's saving some. I feel like his statement about like, well, we could just have people donate flights. I was like, well, don't just don't say that. Like we know that might happen, mm-hmm. but like, that's like a reminder that like rich people have special access that the rest of us don't. Right.
2: Yeah. It struck me as odd that last part, but um, I don't see, I like the, the meaning behind it, I think is what matters the most. It's just like the idea of kind of trimming that a little bit because he can make that decision. I like it. Yeah. It's yeah. like a
0: goodwill gesture.
2: I'm okay with all of this.
0: I, I mean, understand. If I was governor and I found out I had a plane, I'd be like, well, that's cool. I guess I'll go have breakfast and eat it. I don't know.
1: I guess, I mean, like, and, you know, this is something we'll talk about, this issue we'll talk about here a little bit later in the podcast, but it's like, okay, so we're going to get rid of the plane and save, I'm making this number up, but, like, let's 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 just say that it saves the state a million dollars a year to get rid of the plane. I would... F- frankly be stunned if it saves us that much no no yeah but but let's just say that it saves a million bucks a year that's like waste and abuse, like good but we're going to go ahead and set work requirements for medicaid that's going to cost the state between five and ten million dollars to cover fewer people we're going to not accept federal dollars to expand medicaid which would be 900 million dollars in our pocket that we pay in taxes already like I understand the sentiment of like we're gonna trim the fat and like clean everything but if you're gonna trim the fat like trim the freaking fat mm-hmm. right like to me to me it is it is a symbolic gesture that has zero like practical implications
0: sure but it's he's only been on the job for like two weeks and I think so this is where I get um, frustrated with how these discussions go and we had this discussion before we started recording that like While what you say may be true, let's just accept it for a win, Mm -hmm. and then go on and fight the other fight. It's not like, it's not like we should keep the plane but do the other thing instead because it's worthwhile more. Look, let's just do both. This one happened to go first.
1: Sure, that's fine. I'm not like saying that Kevin Stitt is going to be like a terrible governor because he got rid of the plane. I just like, like you, the other three things that he did, these other three executive orders, are things that I think are. I honestly really agree with, I think make a lot of sense in terms of policy and government structure. And this was to me, this was a very like, I don't know, whatever. It's fine. I'm not like, I'm not angry that he got rid of the plane. I just think it's dumb.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah.
1: So that's all. So anyway, check out journal records article for all of the
0: details. I wonder if it's going to be on the state auction website. I'm going to go look at it it right now. You want to go buy it? Maybe. Do you? Craigslist. I have no it's a the there's a it's a King
1: Air I think isn't, isn't it not it a uh, is it okay. contract. a contract I believe it's a King Air twin engine turboprop is a plane <laughs> I think I,
0: I think you're right I just love that you like researched it and be like well it's a <laughs> 90, 97 model it's got the, got the chrome spoke wheels uh,
1: next up <laughs> we've got an article from Trey Savage editor-in-chief of non-doc um this is a long piece and where I'm not going to go through the whole article because I think people can read it, but I think we can have a discussion about kind of just the general, the general idea. So Oklahoma city public schools has announced um, their, what do they call it? Their pathways to pathways progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. they will be closing something like 26 schools throughout the district. Um, One of the moves that has gotten a lot of attention and that, that, I think has, has provoked some of the strongest reaction, both positive and negative is the plan to move class in SAS. to so the class and school of school of advanced studies, which is an application only uh, magnet school in the district. Currently it's at the old original class in high school, which is just a few blocks South of where we are now on Ellison Avenue. Um, and it has junior high and high school students. And the plan is to, actually take the high school and move it across town to Northeast Academy, uh, on the northeast side of town, and that will be the high school. Uh, and then the building here, the original class in high school, the original building, will be the middle school only. <clears throat> so it'll split the middle school and high school into two separate buildings, uh, one on each side of town. Um, northeast Academy, as it exists now, uh, will close, but the district is saying that they feel like this will open up a lot more opportunity for many, many more students to apply to and attend class and and take advantage of its programs. Um, So, yeah. thoughts on this?
2: Well, I do sit on the board with the Northeast Oklahoma City Renaissance, and so we talked about this yesterday. I didn't attend the first meeting that they had, but I know there's one on the 27th. What's that next week sometime. Um, The second of three meetings is taking place that day, so I do plan on going to that just so I can learn a little bit more about sort of the nuances, and obviously from the standpoint of being on the board and serving the East Side, it's like... I did ask the question in our meeting yesterday. I'm like, so what does this mean? Like, give me like a 40,000 level, like right. what's happening? And so I still wasn't clear on that. So I will be attending the meeting. I'm interested. I don't I don't really know what it's actually going to do versus, you know, again, intentions are great, but um, it'll be interesting to see. But I think there are probably a lot more questions that need to be asked yeah. to fully vet it and make sure that it's serving the kids truly, but then also... The title of this alone hope and fear it's like what do those two things mean to right everybody like each individual right I don't have kids so I can't even imagine letting whoever made these decisions like I, I would go and ask questions I can't imagine not so yeah change I, I think
0: change is hard like regardless of who you are um, and so I'm kind of excited that mm-hmm. we had the opportunity to really like think about this kind of stuff yeah
1: no, totally. Yeah, the reactions were interesting. You know, there were I mean, I think that you could probably predict some of them. There were some parents that are really excited, some parents that are not excited about it at all. There were there were some reactions from members of the members of the community um, around where Northeast sits now that were honestly pretty similar. There were a couple of folks that were like, Hey, this is something like they maybe it sounds great, like mm-hmm. in name, but is the school really gonna serve is it going to serve the members of the community that live here? Uh, is this like an attempt at, you know, like there was one person that said this is an attempt at gentrification. Mm-hmm.
0: And that guy speaks at city council mm-hmm. all the time. Oh, really? I didn't know, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But
1: um, yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be interesting to see kind of where this goes and what the, what the discussion around it is, because I think there certainly is going to be a lot of discussion around mm-hmm. the rest of it. Mm-hmm. All right. Lastly, we have a piece from the frontier. Uh, this is concerning a bill that has been filed by Representative, I believe this is from Representative West, uh, in the State House, as well as Representative Yep, Josh West and Kevin McDougal from Broken Arrow and Grove. Josh West from Grove, McDougal from Broken Arrow, um, would amend Oklahoma law to get rid of the definition of excessive force as it pertains to peace officers. So right now, <clears throat> excessive force says that it will excessive force will be presumed when a law enforcement officer continues to apply physical force in excess of the force permitted by law or said policies and guidelines to a person who's been rendered incapable of resisting arrest. So excessive force happens either when you when when law enforcement officers use so much force that it becomes criminal or when they use force that's in excess of the guidelines set by their department and this is a bill that would strip out that language of policies and guidelines
0: so if you so you can't you can't commit excessive force if it's not a thing right well so it
1: would excessive force would still exist but it would only exist in cases where the force was so excessive that there was an attempt to hold the officer criminally
0: liable. So if it like went into assault or something, right? So they're
1: so what they're saying I don't is know that
0: I'm cool with this. So like Crystal says no as well.
1: You know, yeah. Well, discuss. Yeah,
2: you go first.
0: I'm just not okay with it. I yeah. mean, it just seems like this is a, in my opinion, a well-established definition that exists in, I assume, most other states. Um, and has been used effectively and it I feel like maybe not that police officers don't need to be protected but it's protecting them from the wrong thing you know what I mean like and I you know I'm on I err on the side of transparency Mm -hmm. about stuff um, and I feel like this is solving a problem that's not the not the real problem that's my thoughts
2: yeah, I wonder what the underlying issue is. I don't like the idea of striking that piece out of it just because of what we've seen can be done while it's still a thing. Um, so, I mean, to just see these two, and I, 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 I probably shouldn't say too much more, but i do not, I'm can not say, okay. You can say whatever not, you want. I'm not okay with it. Both of our final listeners. <laughs> yeah, final
0: <answer>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sound effect,
1: right? No, I think... You know, I there's a they talk to some attorneys that are involved in like this type of mm-hmm. litigation here in the article. and you know they're they're saying they think this is not appropriate because they said that these officers, cases of excessive force are almost almost never criminally prosecuted, right? Like, however, the the legal remedy that is um, pursued by victims of excessive force is through civil action. So they go to the they go to the court and they say, okay, we're not going to put an officer on trial for assault or what have you, but we can prove that the officer violated, violated these policies and guidelines. So that means it's excessive force. And so there should be some remedy for that. And by removing that, the only remedy you would have is through the criminal justice system. And so if they don't prosecute, then there's no way to try and Mm -hmm. pursue any action, Mm -hmm. which I agree with the two of you. I think Mm -hmm. it's a huge problem. Like, you know, I think that,
0: I assume this is probably promoted by the DA's counsel, who is, I mean, they're DA, so they tend to have a more, like, law and order slant.
1: I would guess that's the case. I think, though, that, you know, um, I I think that police oftentimes do, I think they try to do the best that they can, and I think that police officers have a really hard job. I also think, though, that we've seen, you know, and I think it's, been known this is the case for the lo- for a long time, but especially in the last several years, we've seen that there is, at least in many communities, kind of a culture, a culture in policing where force is not applied uniformly yeah. to everyone, and it's not applied force isn't applied to everyone, and the degree is not applied equally, in just in terms of its use. Period. Mm-hmm. And when it is applied, it's not applied uniformly according to. A standard it seems right. very arbitrary so this um, i feel me. like this could make that worse mm-hmm.
0: when i was uh an undergrad many moons ago um my senior thesis was about um stress and job satisfaction among juvenile correctional workers um because i knew some guys who worked at the juvenile detention center and like heard their stories of how they treated some of the inmates back then and i was like that that's not okay like why and they were like I mean, like a culture of just like uh, these punks, you know, like they think they can mouth off and we'll teach them a lesson. And I was like, I mean, that's, they're just kids, right? Like maybe they're older teenagers or whatever, but that piqued my interest to like get in there and be like, what is your life like and what's your job stress and kind of learn more about that. And um, yeah, I mean, I think one thing, and this is getting to our next segment here. Well, a couple of segments, but criminal justice reform is going to be a huge topic this session. and And I think... Um, these kinds of issues all are connected, right? Like the way that the way that police officers treat um, individuals in the community, the way that um, people are treated by correctional officers in facilities, the way that we fund that, the way that we relate to that, how we assign punishments, all that stuff is like just a broken system that is really in need of repair.
2: Agreed. Second.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I
1: think, and I think too, there's like sitting here listening, listening to you and kind of thinking through it too. I think, I think one of the other things that gets me about this just to, at a, even a more fundamental level is it seems to be arguing, and I think we hear this argument a lot, that because of the job that they do and the stressful, the inherently tense and stressful nature of that job, police officers and law enforcement officers generally should be allowed um, more leeway, whereas I tend to think, no, they're police officers, so they should be held to a higher standard, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I don't know. I would, I think, I th- I think it'd be really inter- interesting at some point to, you know, talk with law enforcement and kind of see. I just, I'd be. That's an, a conversation I think would be interesting.
0: Indeed. All right, let's. Uh,
1: that's it for the news roundup today.
0: Oh, one one last note though. Just a uh, plug. Nope. No Pruitt Watch. Sorry, guys. No Pruitt Watch. Um, But I would encourage listeners to uh, download and listen to uh, the Oklahomans' Political State podcast. It's a great podcast every week. Um, Ben Felder and Justin Wingeter do a great job every week. This week, they also have two of Stitt's cabinet members, John Budd, who's the uh, COO and uh, OMES person, and the new um, uh, Ostro... Is his name last name um who's the digital transformation and administration secretary oh yeah The new position um it's it was super interesting uh, i was telling you scott about it earlier um i just listened to it today it was a really interesting to hear their inside perspective on how they really want to help government like work better um, and there's a lot of discussion about like going to individuals who receive like who receive government services which we all do on some level right like whether it's um, whether it's Medicaid or snap or disability or like roads or driver's licenses, like there's something we all consume, right? Like we're all in this world together. Not me. Whatever, man. You're, you're not off the grid. <laughs> not me, man. I just live my farm. um, and uh, you're paying for it either way. <laughs> so anyway, it was about how to serve them better. It was really a customer-focused view that I hope um, permeates the rest of his administration. So anyway, it was interesting. I encourage you to listen to it. All right. With that, let's um, move on to our next segment, which will be – Scott, I let's try to shorten this from what we had scheduled. Um but do a quick recap from yesterday, uh which was Thursday, was the Oklahoma Policy Institute's budget summit. Scott and I attended along with three of our other board members. That was pretty cool. I think we had the second largest group, second only to OK policy.
1: We're out there fixing it.
0: We are. Um people who want to know what's up? What do these numbers mean? Uh and uh Scott, you were on a panel even. Got to speak. I
1: was it's I yes. Yes.
0: Both as your I mean, probably more so as a physician, um, specifically like a pediatrician, um, than your role as a board member with us. But um, I think you did an excellent job of representing both of your roles. Thanks, man. Hats I've off.
1: Tried. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a good day. It was uh, very interesting. Um, you know, just a, I think there was enough enough that happened that it was worth you know talking briefly about it here. Um, You know, as anyone who listens to the show or pays even the smallest bit of attention to Oklahoma politics will know, the budget has been a huge issue for uh, at least the last decade, but certainly in the last few years. Um, And so, the every year this this is the sixth year that OK Policy has done their budget summit, and um, things are a bit brighter this year. Um, Looks like there is going to be more money coming into the state treasury this year than we've had in some time, really uh, the first year since we're the first year that we've been back to near 2008, 2009 levels. But
0: this is a little bit like when you get a raise, but that's great because you also like just had to buy a car. And so you have a car payment, like your student loans are coming due next month, as are mine.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, and so this is the thing that like uh, David Blatt, the executive director at OK Policy, spent a lot of time talking about yesterday is there's this number floating around like seven about $720 million uh, extra. Like, oh, man, like we can do everything. We can go out and we can go out money, and get whatever money, we want, money. right? <laughs> Once I sit here, it's like uh, we've got um, more money but uh, more problems because even though it looks like there is all this extra money coming in, uh, according to the uh, OK policy analysis, it's not 720. It's more like between 250 and 400, which is still a lot, but like – half (laughs) right of what we're hoping for. And uh, the reason for that is one, the estimate of 720 is calculated based on uh, oil and natural gas prices that were higher at the time than they are now. So that's going to impact revenues. But we also owe money from years past, right? We have ad valorem reimbursement that's going to come out of that bond payments. We also have lost a hundred million dollars or so in graduate medical education and uh, chip funding. So when you take all those out, you end up with this number that's between 250 and 400 million, Um, which again, sounds like a lot until you look at the fact that common ed has asked for 440 million higher ed ed has asked for 101.3 DOC has asked for 1.5 billion. Okay. Um, Mental health has asked for 161 million, and then state employees through raises and pensions, etc., have asked for 185. So, even excluding the 1.5 1.5 billion from DOC, that right there is still about 800 million in asks for 250 to 400 million in revenue, and that's not even getting into things that the legislature might have as a priority that no one's asked for. So- also,
0: revenue will likely be down at the next at the final thing from the the certification
1: right so so that's 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 the deal we've got uh we have about 400 million ish between 250 and 400 million more dollars but we have uh about five different uses for each one of those and we're going to have to
0: pick we got one two plugs and five holes yes all right has there ever been a more there has been a more Oklahoma reference, but that was a pretty solid one. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that's... Yes. Um, Crystal, if you had to choose, mm-hmm. let's say we gave you $400 million and you were king of Oklahoma, queen of Oklahoma, um, what would you sorceress spend the money on? Sorceress of Oklahoma. Sorry. What would you spend the money on?
2: Just anything?
0: Mm-hmm. Not a plane. Not a plane. We're
2: over planes. <laughs> we don't do those right. anymore. Um, From
0: the state agencies. like They all come to you and say, yeah. sorceress, Crystal we need money for this, this, and this, how do you?
2: Mental health is a major issue. I think education, um, those two really kind of strike a chord with me. Obviously pay raises, but that's the thing. Like you're already running out of money. Looking at the numbers you yeah. have here, it's like it's already gone mm-hmm. after just naming two of the five I see on this list. Mm-hmm. And like you said, that's before anything else comes up. It's kind of like, you know, when you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're like, I got paid, I'm going to go out this weekend. Then you get into that next week and you're like, oh man.
0: I and should I'm have stayed not, home. Yeah, yeah. right. i why, did, why didn't I live
2: tight on the front right. end of this? I'm eating ramen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't know.
0: It's tough. I mean, that's yeah. that's a great analogy, and I think that's the problem that we've been in for so long is we have this uh, we're used to like living in this scarcity. So um, the other policy takeaway from yesterday, and I think uh, County Commissioner Carrie Bloomer tweeted this as well, that uh, to me one of the overarching themes that came up time and time again was expanding Medicaid, which I know OK Policy has been pushing for, but it came up from the audience um, several times as well. And uh, Senator Thompson, Roger Thompson, um, who's the A&B chair, Appropriations and Budget chair in the Senate, was asked this directly by someone in the audience. Was that? I don't know if that person was a representative or not.
1: No, it was by... um, I wasn't the city councilwoman from Norman. It was... Oh, yeah, somebody. Yeah, but no, so he was asked the question like...
0: And he said he was open to it. He was yeah. open to hearing a discussion. Um, his concern, and I think this is the concern we hear echoed by many Republicans, is that they don't want to say, yes, let's do it, because they're afraid that the feds might yank the money away, which I get. However, like, doesn't that apply to every other funding source, right? Like, what if the feds yanked our roads money or education or anything i mean like nothing is a for sure deal and it seems silly or perhaps slightly misguided to me to be like we'll take money for everything else knowing that it could be pulled away but not for this because it might be pulled away
1: yeah like we're not gonna expand healthcare and give you access now because in 20 years we might have to take it away from somebody else like that seems yeah. silly to me mm-hmm. what do you think crystal
2: i agree with you i yeah that logic doesn't really apply doesn't come full circle so
0: well as we know yeah logic doesn't always apply to (laughs) politics
1: well it's it's i have to make this point i guess because i'm a douche i don't know but you know (laughs) (laughs) because senator thompson was saying he he made the he made the point that in that you know the state came back he was like you know just because he said just because you make an agreement with the federal government doesn't mean they're going to keep it because you know we had this agreement about how we fund graduate medical education and they just came in Clawed back and took away a hundred million dollars, hundred and fifty million dollars last year, and so you just don't ever know. And I was like, No, but but they did that because we broke the terms of the agreement. Right. Like they didn't just they weren't just like, nah, we're changing our mind. They were like, You cheated and so give us our money back. Right. <laughs> like, right. Which is a different ballgame. Right. Yeah. They you you do know that they'll keep their end of the bargain as long as you keep yours. Right.
0: So All right. Should we get into uh the next phase? Oh, yes. I don't have a, some yeah. kind of echo thing here. You should. I think last year I added this in for this. I don't know. I, I don't know how to use all the the uh, After Effects on this mixer board yet. Okay, well, we'll just uh, skip it this time. I'll I'll try to edit it. Listeners, I'm sorry if this isn't cool when you listen to it. It's because I couldn't figure out how to do it with our mixer board. But we are officially announcing our 2019 Predictorama. That's all I got. I don't know how to do the echo thing with just last time I did it. In post, and I don't. I'm using different software now.
1: This is my sad face. I can
0: see it. The listeners can't, but they this can is hear my it. Sad face. Crystal? She's laughing. Sad it face. It is very sad. All Thank right. You. So for uh, for new listeners and for Crystal, uh, last year at the beginning of the legislative session, Scott and I kind of threw out a few things, a dozen or so of bills or issues that we wondered if they would or would not pass, and allowed listeners, fans, uh, followers, fellow fixers to predict and the winner Peter Evans received a uh, tote bag I will tell you that I finally last week got Peter's address he could not be with us today and I mailed him his tote bag Peter I hope by now that you listen to this you've received it I also included a t-shirt and uh, a couple of koozies because I felt bad there was interest payment on that tote bag (laughs) that I had for a year Um, and so this year it'll be a similar package I'm out of tote bags that was a one-time thing but the winner will get uh, a t-shirt Two koozies and a sticker.
2: Okay. Does that sound reasonable? That's fair. Yeah. All right. I like Peter. I think I know the Peter Evans. You know Peter Evans? Yeah. I don't
0: know that I know him.
2: He was in my loyal class potentially. For real? I think. Peter, if
0: that's you, please tweet at us or email. If Crystal. Text me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Hit her up. Not right now because you don't know that we're here, but (laughs) when you listen to this, um, that would be really cool. I would still, the invitation still stands. We'd love to have you on. Um, We have a couple of listeners. Ed, you also are on our list of people to try to get in this year.
1: Anybody else who wants to come on the show, you can also just email us and come right. on the show.
0: Um, looks like we're going to have Grant Herms from News 9 in a couple of weeks. Here, He was just texting me about a, a story that we were discussing earlier today. So Interesting. the week of February 12th he'll cool. be on. Um, so anyway, we've uh, identified a few bills that we are interested in. And I will tell you now that – so we were recording this on Friday. Uh, so it should be posted hopefully later today or this weekend. Um I will send out an email, so if you're not on our email list, please go to let'sfixthisokay.com and sign up for our email list, and we will send out an email link with the predictorama thing so you can fill it out and make your predictions. Yes, Scott? This is unrelated. Did y'all know General Hospital
1: is still on? No.
2: I would have assumed, I mean, yeah. I would what about say yes. as the
1: world turns? I okay. mean, I don't know, but KOCO, programming note. Next Friday's episode of General Hospital will be on abc.com. I had no idea that was still a thing. They got to tell people a week
0: in advance to watch their stories. If yeah. <laughs> If yeah. I had sure, to predict DVR a drama about that, all that yeah. Nice. <laughs> get yeah. That's right. My so, mom
2: records two stories every day and watches them religiously. My mom it has is, been for decades.
0: My mom used to watch uh, Guiding Light or Guiding Light, <clears throat> and As the World Turns. Okay. Sometimes Bold and Beautiful because it came on first. Um, I don't think she does anymore, but she has a full slate of DVR shows, yeah. two DVRs worth.
1: Yeah. So uh, there was one summer I was really into. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is going to be good. wasn't It wasn't As the World Turns. What's What was the other one? The big one, like the oh, like eighties, nineties soap opera. We've named a bunch of them. Not General Hospital. Not General Hospital. Not As the World Turns. Wasn't there
0: like an. Not Bold and the Beautiful? No,
1: not all. Was All My Children? What was the...
0: Young and the Restless? Young and the Restless, yeah. No, I don't remember what it was. Oh, Days of Our Lives. Days of Our yeah. Lives, yeah. Yes, yes. There was
1: one summer I was really into Days of Our Lives. Because which, which summer? Was this last summer? <laughs> no, so this was... uh It was probably the summer of sixth or seventh grade because uh, mm. so my mom worked all day and my dad worked all day. My mom is a preschool teacher and my brothers were young enough that they still went with her to work every day so i stayed home by myself and i always had like chores and stuff i had to do but like had the tv on and as you find out if you're in that situation especially especially in like 1992 there was not a lot on television in the middle of the afternoon
0: did you not you no cable
1: i mean we had cable but dude still like it was like MTV showed music
0: videos all day long.
1: Uh yeah, but
0: TRL didn't start until like 2, right? I don't know. I didn't ever watch TRL. I don't think No, it was music a videos. 92. No. Oh, whatever. Singled it was. out though. Whatever. But yeah, yeah. before wa- Jenny McCarthy got crazy.
1: I watched me some uh I uh I I I watched me some Days of Our Lives that summer and uh it was really bad, but you also just get like sucked into it cuz it's so like
2: Well, I... What's going to happen? I work to... I work from home most days. So a lot of the times I'll have... lifetime movies on Mm nice. just because you know the plot you know the first 20 minutes they're going to set it up it's going to drag out for an hour and 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and then the last 20 minutes because i don't think those minutes add up so two hours (laughs) the last 10 minutes is when it gets good so i just like take a little break and i look up and i watch everybody kill each other and or you know somebody gets away very shakespearean they go down the stairs yeah like whatever um they go down the stairs instead of up for the whole two hours apparently Mm -hmm. and so um but it's good to just have in the background because i just look up and i'm like oh it's so, just mind-numbing, just like, background noise. Right,
1: so best and worst Lifetime movies that you've seen?
2: I've seen so many. It's like, do you even know what they're called,
0: like, when you turn them on?
2: It's embarrassing. I've seen so many. I ugh, I don't know. I like the newer ones, though. They're getting really good with them. Before, like, in the past, like, you can tell if it's, like, a 1990s or, like, mm, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I really prefer the, the later ones.
1: Have you watched uh, An Officer and a Murderer? Do you know the lifetime no. movies? Oh, you should watch an off you should watch an officer and a murderer. I don't murderer. think I've seen that. Yeah. And uh, Blue Eyed Butcher.
2: I have seen that What is yeah. happening yeah, right now. Just th- yeah. Dude, that's I've crazy, that. right? Mm-hmm.
1: So an officer and a murderer is this guy. So this guy it's is our a spin off podcast. Is, <laughs> he is he is enough for this. So this guy is a colonel in the Canadian Air Force. Is about to become a general. Like this guy, yeah, so this, this, this guy, ridiculous. the Queen, the Queen visited I'm Canada. Sorry, okay. The Queen visited Canada and this dude piloted around the Queen. Okay. He's a pilot. And um, he eventually, like, the punchline is he was, had spent like years sneaking into women's homes. And like stealing their undergarments, which he like kept and cataloged. But then it progressed where he would sneak in, like he would sneak in while they were there, but like not do anything, but just like leave, like he would like leave notes or like do things that like let Creepy people know that he'd been in their, in their house. A-F. Yeah. So then, so then he started breaking, he like escalated. So then he started breaking in and he would like tie, like, like there's, he would like tie them up and like make them think he was gonna like attack them, but then not actually like do anything. And then it like, finally he ended up like raping and killing. this Of course. Right. Right. Um, and then he got like caught and it was this huge thing because he's this incredibly like decorated, respected member of the Canadian military. So he's serving life in prison now. And when he was, uh, when he was discharged from the Canadian air force, they like stripped him of his rank, stripped him of all his medals Put him in prison, took his uniform and physically burned it in an incinerator.
2: Yeah, they're like, we don't need this to exist anywhere. Right? Ever. Yeah.
0: Did they like show a scene where they like ripped his medals off his chest? Yeah. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> so you gotta watch Officer and a Murderer.
2: Okay.
1: We'll talk about Blue Eyed Butcher next time.
2: Yeah. yeah. Please. I've seen it. So
0: <laughs> Well, Crystal's gonna come back <laughs> so we to talk about Blue Eyed Butcher. <laughs> I did not see this podcast going this direction. <laughs> we're gonna give uh, Everyone out there, stay sexy. Don't get murdered. I guess that's the thing. All right. Well, back to predictorama. I don't know how we can recover from this. I
2: forgot. Yeah. What are we doing? Okay.
0: All right. So we've uh, we put together a few bills that we're watching, and as I said, I'll email this out here shortly. Um, Scott. So the first one we've already mentioned, uh, McDougal and West about excessive force. Scott, that's one you're watching, right? Yeah. I. You
1: know. Um, this is predictorama, right? So we have to say what we think is going to happen. Um, I would say this is House Bill twenty three twenty eight. I are we casting th- our own predictions here? Do what? I think oh. sure. I think yeah. we're all, we're all making predictions on each one of them, right? Sure. I will say that this gets out of committee, and it's just. No. I'm going to say that this gets out of committee, but I don't think it. I don't think it passes. So I
0: think for this, we should we just say like if it passes if it's fully passed and signed right i mean that's fine, what that's what the fine. actual
1: no i don't think it'll become law
0: i mean we can just say, i guess we're not really going to like it's not a it's not if listeners beat us right right so you think it'll pass committee but not pass yeah my headphones are not working that's my guess um all right that's a fair guess i think it fails on the floor too crystal
2: i, l- I like that yeah, that Just, sounds about
0: right. I'm hoping that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the next one is uh, bond for groups wanting to prote- protest or rally at the Capitol. Uh, this is by Senator Allen. Right, so basically <laughs> Joe Dorman was railing against this yesterday at the policy summit. Um, so yeah, so there's a bill proposed that if groups of 100 or more decide to protest or rally at the Capitol, they'd have to first pay a uh, uh, for a, f- a $50,000 bond. Which would probably only cost like fifty bucks, but it's still preposterous. It would charge, and it's unclear we, like if, if our capital days would count because we're not protesting; we're just coming to talk right. to our legislators. So, Andrew,
1: we uh, we passed a lot of unconstitutional and ridiculous laws in Oklahoma.
0: So, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think this will fail. I I think this will not even get heard in committee. Maybe it's heard, but not passed out of committee. Yeah, yeah. It's a heard but not passed thing. out of committee.
1: I don't think it gets heard. I don't, right. think, I don't think it goes anywhere. All right, Crystal, what would you
2: say? I I don't know. I kind of agree with you. I don't think it'll get. It definitely won't pass on the floor. I don't believe. But I do you don't think know. it passes committee? It's dumb. Um,
1: <laughs> you can say whatever you want.
2: I'm trying to like be on my best behavior. So trying to so, hedge. You know. Oh, yeah. you don't have to. Oh, you don't have, have to do that. Just into this. Um, no, yeah, I'm I'm gonna agree with you, Andy. I think that what you said is about right.
0: All right. Yeah. Uh, the third one is from Representative O'Donnell. Uh, that it's a, it would make it a misdemeanor to disrupt the legislature. How does he define disrupt?
1: Yeah, that's a great question.
0: Well, oh. misdemeanor
1: is subject to a five hundred dollar fine and up to six months in jail. Is this for anybody? Yeah. What if it?
0: What if it's another House member? Oh, that's a great question. Like, <laughs> I have to go back to the to go back to the bill text and see. Could I mean theoretically, like. Sometimes stuff gets rowdy up there. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it does. This, uh, for me, for this, this does not get hurt in committee.
0: No, yeah, I think it doesn't either. No, all right, good. Let's hope not.
2: We like cards, but I guess people can't see. Yeah, right. I like the idea of making this interactive. I do too.
0: Yes. So we've talked about doing like a this is a video (laughs) thing. Um, Perhaps someday soon, if we have an office, we could do like a live podcast, live stream someday. All right, um, Representative Russ wants to ban teacher walkouts entirely and change collective bargaining rights for teachers. Do they actually have collective bargaining rights now? They're not a union.
1: It's like it would make it even more restrictive.
0: Okay. I I could see this being heard in committee but not pass. I, I
1: think... Think I agree with that. I'm I'm almost tempted to say I don't think it's going to get heard.
0: We don't yet know what committee this is assigned to, right? Correct. Because it could go to like if it goes to Common Ed, I don't think right. it's heard. But if right. it goes to like Judiciary or something, right? I don't know.
2: Not being heard would be my preference. But <laughs> <laughs> just shut it down. Shut it
1: down. Be done. Um. All right. Uh, next up, we got uh, House Bill fourteen thirteen from Representative Waldron. I like this one. Lawmakers would be held responsible financially for legislation that is deemed unconstitutional by state or federal
0: courts. See bond for protests,
1: <laughs> right? Um, so this is—it's a little bit like—I mean, it's—it doesn't have as much teeth as it sounds like. I want to say it's like for like court costs. So it's going to be like right, but still, hundred I mean, bucks.
0: But it's still like a few hundred bucks, right? Yeah, and there's a lot of fees out there. It's part of the criminal justice reforms we got to look at, but yeah. Um, they yep. would not be
1: responsible for, like, litigation. Costs. But right
0: now there's no penalty aside from, like, public shame. People calling you a dumbass. Right, yep. right. That if you if you propose legislation, although I feel like if, it, if you propose it and it passes, like, that's not just on you. Like, that's on everyone who voted for it, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so, so who would be responsible? Would it be the, the author? Yeah, the bill, bill author.
2: So like, <laughs> if you propose
0: something that you know is unconstitutional and you don't think it's going to pass, and then everyone passes it just to stick it to you, yeah, that's yeah. kind of awesome, right? Be like, like I hate this jackwagon. Like, <laughs> let's all pass it just so he gets fined.
1: Exactly. Now, what do you think? Yeah, uh, is this going to pass? No.
0: No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Agreed. Definitely. Definitely not. I'll, I mean, I don't think it'll pass. I wouldn't mind it getting heard just for the to sake of being I like, am. yeah, let's have an honest discussion about the fact that we pass so many unconstitutional laws. They end up getting challenged in court. I mean, it's and a
2: layer of accountability that I like. Right. But, I mean, are they actually going to do that to themselves?
0: There are other states, Crystal, that have... You may already know this, no. but there are other states that have, like, teams of attorneys that review proposed legislation to make sure that it does not conflict with the existing laws or constitutions. I assume that we have something like that, mm-hmm. um, and yet things still get through. I
1: believe that you are you can ask the attorney general's office for an opinion at times. The attorney general's office will weigh in with an opinion mm-hmm. without
0: being asked, All I right. think, but I don't think they do it for every bill. But some of the, surely some of the staff are involved. We should ask you'd think. All right. So, um, then representative Dunnington is, uh, proposing banning conversion therapy. This is the, as a therapist, I'll lead on this one. It's the, I'm using air quotes. Can you guys see this? Mm -hmm. quote, quote, therapy that attempts to, like, change someone's sexuality, right? Basically, the idea is that if someone says they're gay, you could convert them into being straight. This is not a real thing. It is um, proven scientifically in many studies that it is harmful to the individual. Um, And in some states, it's already illegal.
1: Yeah, and I should have been more clear when I put this on here. This would ban conversion therapy specifically for children. So if you are a, like legal consenting adult and you are gay and you don't like that and you think that conversion therapy is the way for you, then you could still go okay. do it. But, but you cannot you force. Could not force a child into... In fact, it would be illegal even if the child wanted to, to undergo conversion therapy is my understanding of the bill. Interesting.
2: I hope it goes all the way. All the way. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. I don't think it will.
0: It
1: probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> I So... I actually think this might have a chance. I don't know. I telling think, me there's a chance. Yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not... Um, certainly, it's not a slam dunk, but there is so much data behind this. There is right. so much data behind this, number one. And number two, it's coming from a representative, Jason Dunnington, who I think has a lot of goodwill in the majority and who I think a lot of folks in the majority like really trust that he doesn't have he doesn't have like a a partisan Mm -hmm. agenda. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that that, I'm not saying that that guarantees anything, but I think that, I think that there's a, I think there are a number of other representatives or senators who could run this bill and it would be dead in the water. I think the fact that it's representative Dunnington running the bill. Right. May give it, I think, I think, I think it at least gets heard in committee. Yeah. Yeah. And if it can pass committee, then I think, you know, anything. Right. Anything can happen. But I think it depends largely on what committee it gets assigned to and how the vote goes there. And
2: it's not unlike just them, the child living their daily life in Oklahoma. It's just like they already are up against so much. Like it's such cruel and unusual punishment to Mm -hmm. go that route. Like they're already probably pretty shamed and, you know, treated poorly anyway. Um, It's just, yeah, I hope it goes all the way. And like you said, I like that, what you just said about Dunnington, because he does seem to have pretty solid like intentions and he's proven it a few times right. so straight shooter yeah
0: mm-hmm. um speaking of Dunnington, he and uh, leader eccles are co-authoring a bill house bill 1269 that would make uh, state question 780 retroactive so this would this was the uh, state question that passed in 2016 right to lessen offenses certain drug offenses mm-hmm. from a felony to a misdemeanor and it would go back so folks who are currently incarcerated for back when it was a felony, it would bump it down to a misdemeanor and let them out basically, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. It wouldn't be automatic. So the involved party would have to request, uh, I think they would have to request a hearing or like a review. They'd have right. to request, like it yeah. wouldn't be just like right. automatic. Right. They're not you gotta even... print, like you, you'd have to go like say, hey, look into this and they'd be like, yeah, that, and then you'd get out. Which I get, but also like, why isn't it just automatic? So it'll pass.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, that's why. Okay. Like, because I... Th- that's a I, dumb rule, but I mean, or a dumb mm-hmm. reality, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... That I th- i could be wrong, but I think that's what it is. I mean, I think this bill passes, but I know the DAs, or a lot of the DAs and the DA's council are, mm-hmm. like, pissed about this and mm-hmm. want to kill it. Um, I think it has the legs to get through, mm-hmm. but I think that probably some stipulations like that are is, why. Is
0: this one you guys think, if it doesn't pass, it could get, like moved over to become like a go to the vote of the people? Or do you think it's just dead?
2: I think it'll pass. Yeah? Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, a lot of these criminal justice bills were shot down by Representative Biggs when he was in the legislature and he's not there now. And so we've seen a lot of things float through. And, you know, again, these are some of those laws that even five years ago was would be unheard of, right? And here we are hearing them, so alright um, Senate Bill 102 from now Senator George Young former representative Senator George Young he wants to raise the minimum wage to $10.50 an hour in Oklahoma this one I'm really interested in I think that's it's not the full 15 bucks that the far left wants it's a reasonable $10.50 what do you think <laughs> I
2: don't know I don't know enough to have an opinion, I don't think.
1: So, I think recently the legislature has been pretty, I wouldn't say hostile, but like not open to the idea of this. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there have been some things that have changed since the last time this was brought up, um, which is that every state bordering Oklahoma, I think now, has uh, enacted an increase to the minimum wage so it's above the federal right. minimum. Maybe not Texas. I know Arkansas, Missouri did it within the last one to two years. Right. So now, all of our border states have done this. So I think kind of like teacher salaries that puts that puts some pressure.
0: Could be a top ten state.
1: All <laughs> right. Um, so I I don't know. I think I think it would if Senator Young was still in the House. Might have a little bit better chance just because he had more kind of, you know, he's not like, he's not a freshman there. He's a, it's so
0: hard because we have so many new people up there. Yeah. I don't have a feel for how yeah, no, it's going to go this year. Totally.
1: I mean, I could be, I mean, and again, when you think about the fact that there's you know, 40% of them are whatever are brand new, maybe this, mm-hmm. um, but also brand new means they're a lot, they're very likely to be told like, Hey, if you want any of your stuff done, right. to the line and the line is you vote no. Right. Right. Um,
0: they're susceptible. They don't have clout. They yeah. gotta. Yeah. Curious. All right. What's our last one here?
1: Do we really have to talk about it?
0: Sure. So it, this <sighs> is a bill that's sponsored by a lot of people. You said like nine, There's ten people. Ten people running the bill. Um. And this is uh, what people would call constitutional carry, although it's not in the Constitution. You, but this you, is an like, open carry, right? You, if you're eighteen
1: and over, or, or, or so, excuse me, if you're twenty-one and over. Or if you're over 18 and you're in the guard or otherwise in the military, you can carry whatever kind of gun you want, wherever you
0: want, for whatever purpose you want, because any uh, any gun like I think so, just anything. Because by God, this merc. What about machetes? Uh I don't think machetes are included. <laughs> you have a machete, Crystal?
2: I do not on me right now. Not on
0: <laughs> At home though, she's got a nice collection.
2: I do keep a baseball bat by my door.
0: That, that's right. Just oh. in case. A couple of ninja swords.
1: Mm-hmm. I used to have a machete. They're badass. I did too.
0: When yeah. I was a kid, my grandpa had one. Yeah, I, I don't know why. Why not? Well, I can think of a few reasons. To not have a machete? I mean, it was six year old Andy walking around with a machete in a sheath well, like, on my belt like, I mean, out in the woods.
1: For you, like as a six year old, but like as a person, why would you not want a machete? I don't mean to like have He's all not the not like cracking coconuts. But just like have one. Well, I, what
0: are you going to do with it? What are you not going to do with it? You're not buttering bread with a machete. <laughs> Challenge accepted.
2: I do have a fun story about a sword one uh, day. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's great. When I was in D.C., we had just moved and I, it was my, we was like. It was like three's company. So it was my best friend and one of our guy friends were all from Oklahoma and we graduated from OU and moved out to DC, not together, but ended up together. And so we were moving and we had the sword. It was one of the last things in the move. It was just in the back of my best friend's car. And I'd had an event that I was working on and she was coming to the event to kind of help me out and so she's going through security at the ronald reagan building and they've got like those metal things that come up so each car has oh, to, right, have to yeah. go and they check everything and they check your car the outside so she has this freaking sword <laughs> sword in the back of her and she like the minute she saw them going around she's like oh god they're gonna find this thing i totally forgot they let her in but with the sword had, yeah in her car but still like they let her in i was like would they not just hold that? Like, Right. That's a good story. You don't have good intentions if you have a sword in the back of your car. <laughs> you're going into a federal building. Like, Right. It's not right. It's what, not normal. What would you
0: say you're doing with this sword? Exactly.
1: Here? I'm going to knight someone. <laughs> That's
2: right. Exactly. Right. That's fair.
0: I. We're going to need a video of you buttering your bread with your machete. I'll have to make that happen. All right. It'd be tough. We can... We can post that on the. Uh, we can do anything with the machete on the Instagram. Well, let's <laughs> we do, it. yeah. Like let's. Uh, this you is clear, machete talk.
1: Clear, yes. oh, we get to? We have to do our uh, prediction. A uh, constitutional carry will obviously pass. Um, you think? Yeah, mm. yeah. Holy, I I like it. I think it'll I think it will be one of the first bills that is heard
0: and passed and
1: signed Sales by the governor. Yep. Yeah. Do you think
0: it'll just be passed as like a goodwill gesture because they don't want to fight it? Who? The Democrats.
1: Oh, the Dems will all vote no, but there's 24 of them.
0: Right, right. I mean, I, know, I know, obviously they don't have enough to... But I mean, it'll be like... There'll be some heated floor debate about how this... Is oh, worthwhile. yeah. Also, isn't the DA's council against this? Yeah. That's interesting.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: Most Oklahomans are against it. The Okay, the uh, the uh, state chamber is against it. The Oklahoma City and Tulsa chambers are against it. Like, no one is for this except the NRA. Like, it's that's, that's an NRA bill. That's bananas. Yeah.
2: I used to work for the Restaurant Association in D.C. Yeah. And I'd always have to preface restaurant, not rifle. Right. (laughs) It got weird (laughs) I could see. Everyone's like, why did you work there? Trust me, I did not.
0: Talk about a salad shooter. No, I mean,
1: it's really, like, it's a really, it's a big deal. I mean, one, because it's dangerous, but the, so the state chamber will tell you that this is going to cost Oklahoma tens of millions of dollars, like, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, because there are. Sports sporting events that won't oh, come right. here. Oh right, like there's artists oh, that won't. There are touring like the NCAA artists. tournament, and yeah, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's concerts that won't come here. But I mean, there's sporting events that won't come here.
0: But venues can still ban weapons, right? Like the Thunder Games can say you can't bring it in.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's. I think that still is like. I mean, I, that's just that can. I mean, the Thunder Games are you know the fairly easy to enforce, but right. um You know, I think it's not even so much the fear that like something's going to happen at the event, but you have the NCAA basketball tournament that's at the peak, and then people get shot in Bricktown because everybody has freaking guns. You know what I mean? Like it's not just it's Mm -hmm. not just the it's not only the thought of a mass shooting like at the event. It's the fact that there are so many more guns. It's inherently dangerous. So
0: I mean, let's say I get that people like guns and it's a hobby, right? But like, let's say that my hobby is birds of prey like I'm a falconer right I don't expect to be able to bring my falcon everywhere uh you
1: know Oklahoma County has a falconry club
0: yes I do yeah I'm saying but you're not walking around the myriad garden with their falcons that would be badass if they were though it would be kind of cool (laughs) but I'm just saying like a reasonable person might expect that you can't bring your falcon everywhere yeah right am I no even if you're I mean if you're I used to collect Pez dispensers in my youth I didn't expect to be able to bring my pez dispenser. It didn't hurt anybody, but like I knew I couldn't bring it to church because it would be a distraction. Like you just can't bring it everywhere. You collected
1: pez dispensers. I watched. As
0: the world turns. Day, days of our lives, man. Days of our lives. I was a days guy. Um, I will note that there are five bills pertaining to hogs this year, two of which involve uh, the disposal of certain animal carcasses to be in accordance with certain recommendations anything else that you guys think is i haven't gone through all the bills yet i haven't at I'm all i'm behind um suntan lotion was a big thing last year
1: i've read uh almost all the 2800 bills that have been filed have you no <laughs> wasn't there wasn't sunscreen a big thing like sunscreen was a big thing was it last year or the year before i think it's it was two, i think it
0: was 2 years ago wasn't it this there's a bill about sunscreen this year house um, bill
1: 2339 no, there's so one thing, there's there's twenty eight hundred bills this year. There are a ton of shell bills. Three hundred shell bills. Yeah. There's so a let's
0: a ton of shell bills. And we're over time, so let's end on this. Yeah, so Speaker McCall filed like three hundred something shell bills um kind of on the last day. And my understanding is this is unprecedented. So shell bills are bills that have no substantive language, or they have like some language that it's just meaningless, and be like, this is the Oklahoma Care Act of 2019, and they can be inserted later in the system or later in the process. And so the first thing, um, and maybe next week, Scott, let's, in addition to some of the things we're going to talk about, we'll talk about the bill process as a refresher. How's that sound? Yes. About how a bill becomes a law.
1: What is he going to do with 300 shell bills?
0: Well, probably not much. Nothing good. And then he'll just insert a few things. Uh, Other things we didn't include today but we will include on the predict orama is uh, will there be a teacher pay raise like just yes or no Um, will uh, the bills to allow the governor to appoint hire and fire the other agency heads that have been proposed by Senator Treat those will be on there a couple other things I wrote down Um, but I think we'll have around 15 or so predict orama items yeah yeah Crystal, is there anything that you're watching this this session?
2: No, I'm just going to be at the Capitol more. I've made a decision to do that. Yeah,
0: So that Why a not? New Year's resolution?
2: I think so. Yeah, it'll be the one that I've actually like will actually right. do probably. Excellent. Yeah,
0: I'll be up there.
1: Congratulations! You've come. You've survived your first episode as a co-conspirator. Yes. On let's pod this. It's fun. Well, we're glad. Thank you so much for coming.
2: Thank you. This is awesome.
1: I agree. Thank you
0: all right well on that note that brings us to the end of this episode don't forget to subscribe and rate let's pod this on apple podcasts or wherever else you get podcasts that helps other people discover us and become better informed remember you can connect with us on twitter and instagram at let's fix this okay scott is at sc melson i am at Andy OKC. crystal what's your twitter handle
2: i am crystal with the K. it's crystal Dawit. d-a-w-i-t
0: there you go um you can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash let's fix this okay. Our website is let's On there you can sign up for our newsletter, read our blog, find resources. We're gonna be redoing the website in the next like week or two, so keep checking that out. That'll be fun. Our podcast is uh, edited and produced by Scott and me, and let's pod this as a member of Mostly Harmless Media Network. Go to mostly Media. I think, and check out the other podcasts. They have a great selection out there from friends here in Oklahoma City. Our theme music is provided by the Sugar-Free All-Stars. Let's Fix This is a nonpartisan, non-profit organization who strives to educate and equip all Oklahomans to engage with their government. We encourage you to get involved in any way you can. Remember, decisions are made by those who show up. Have a great week.